Welcome everyone to More Layers. I'm Seth Mariano. And I am Jordan Smith. Now, if you have not seen our show before, at More Layers, what we usually do is we have a centralized topic that we discuss. Uh, and usually underneath that topic, we have a bunch of questions that we ask, usually at least three or four. Uh, and we go back and forth discussing our answers and why we said what we said. Uh, that's the main part of the show and that's usually what takes up the most time uh towards the end we have when when we're done answering all the questions we have game time and that usually involves us quizzing each other on something sometimes it's related to the topic sometimes it is not uh and once we're done there the last two sections are news that bites and news that rocks news that bites is something that either happened in our personal lives or on the news that wasn't so good and then news that rocks goes the other way, where we talk about something good that happened, again, either in our personal life or on the news. Uh, and when we're done there, we usually make our closing statements. We uh, stop the recording there, and then Seth and I will discuss what topic we'll have for the following episode. And today, we're covering the subject of comedy films or comedic films. Um I wrote down three questions ahead of time, and the first one, are most comedy films just vanity projects for actors and directors? Pretty much meaning, is it just an attempt for actors and directors to show off? I feel like the most solid answer I can give to that would be sometimes, because there have been instances where certain actors or comedians are brought on just for the sake of having a big name attached that will hopefully attract people. And comedy films are certainly no exception. But if it's written well and cast with the right people, comedy films can really shine the way they're supposed to. Robin Williams, for example, was just naturally funny. So he could make his portion of a film into a comedy, even if it wasn't technically a comedy film. I pretty much said, sometimes it can feel that way. Ace Ventura, for one example, which I didn't see the whole of, but part of, like the first few minutes of, it felt to me like Jim Carrey acting crazy every second he had on screen. There is such a thing as overdoing it, which can result in distraction from the plot. It feels like something Jim could have made at home as a silly home movie. That's what I wrote. Yeah, I definitely get what you're saying in regards to that. Because um, Jim Carrey, in general, he is well known for playing crazier people or more energetic people. And sometimes it can work depending on the story or the setting. But other times it can be, like you said, a little too much and result in a distraction from the plot. So if he finds a role where he has that balance then it becomes much more believable or enjoyable. Which he probably has in the past. I think of um, you know clip I saw of Bruce Almighty. He seemed to be more or less a straight man in that one. Right. Yeah. And on my end, one that came to my mind was when he played the Riddler in Batman Forever. 
some people I've talked to, they have said that they still find him to be a little too much in that role. But I don't know if it's because I grew up on the film, but I personally loved his performance. Same thing with um, when he portrayed the Grinch. All right. So um, this is something I've probably thought of on one occasion or another before this show. The question of should comedy films be considered for Academy Awards? Because if you notice, there's there's not like a oh, there's not like a comedic category in the Oscars or or a film that or typically comedic films don't get recognition or nominations. Right. And th this was a little difficult to answer for reasons like that. What I ended up thinking was that I believe all genres of film should at least be considered. If it classifies itself as a comedy film, but it doesn't really come across as comedic, then it would kind of defeat the purpose and then maybe not really get considered. So this could potentially disqualify it from the nomination or at least keep it from winning. But if it classifies itself as a comedy film and it stays true to that, then I feel it should at least get some form of recognition. So if it's like explicitly comedic, if I'm understanding, then then it should get a chance. Yeah, if it actually is a comedy film and not just calling itself that, then it should at least have a shot. Yeah, I said, um, I didn't say as much, I just said they tend to borrow a lot from serious genres or recreate those genres. So, I guess maybe I would personally be on the fence, but not, not necessarily against it, though. You know what, that is completely fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh... One more question I had was, what are some comedic films you think had a good balance of comedy and a story worth telling? Now, I actually had a good handful of answers for this one. The uh, first one cool. I wrote down was uh, the Chronicles of Narnia films. It is a big adventure film. They throw in just enough comedy to the point where it's funny but not distracting. And it, of course, tells a big overarching story. Now, the films never really finished because they only did three out of the seven books. But from what they did tell, I felt like it worked. I've never really thought of those Narnia stories as comedic in any way, just big fantasy drama. But, but apparently you could see some uh, comedy in there. So. Oh, yeah, they had some laughs. Like one of my uh, favorite lines, especially because I would quote it all the time with my mom, is shortly after they encounter one of the beavers, and when he starts to guide them towards his house, they're like, "Where are you going?" He said he knows the fawn. And then the line that we quote all the time is, "He's a beaver. He shouldn't be saying anything." All right. What else? Uh, I also wrote down Thor Ragnarok. 
which is the third out of now four Thor films in the MCU. Now, some people thought Thor Ragnarok might have been a little too goofy at times, but considering the history of Thor movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I felt like it was actually okay. There were a couple moments where it's like, okay, that may be pushing it a little bit, but honestly, I love the comedy just as much as the story. Um, on, a, on a little side note, with Thor yeah. Love and Thunder, which is the new one that just came out, that is an example to me where I felt the story was okay, but there was a little too much comedy. Like, it leaned too much into the goofiness. Thor Ragnarok, I felt like, balanced it a lot better. So I put that one on the list. I do have a memory, I'm not sure how accurate it is, of seeing the trailer when I went to see Elvis the other weekend, and it did come off, I guess, as a sort of rom-com, more or less. Uh, I don't really know the movie that well. Well, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but I will say that if people don't like the screaming goat meme from oh so many years ago, they're not going to like a few moments in this film because they appear a lot. You mean like the screaming ghoul that uh, people used to prank people with on the internet? No, it's a video that showed a goat screaming. So is it like similar? You just have the volume turned all the way up and it it jolts you? No, it's hard to explain because it just showed a goat standing by a fence and there was a scream. I don't know if it was coming from the goat or somebody voiced over it to make it look like the goat was screaming that way, but it was a very obnoxious sound that was funny at the time but now people are kind of just sick of it all right then my next one was the movie aladdin and i'm referring more so to the animated version sure with this particular film there's of course the story of the lowly thief who's just trying to stay alive in a world that doesn't accept him or where he can't really he doesn't really have the resources otherwise in order to survive so he's got to resort to drastic action uh he meets somebody falls in love and tries to get her attention maybe not in the most honest way but along the way a lot of hilarious antics take place and as many might have guessed a lot of the comedic value from this movie comes from Robin Williams as the genie. All right. Yeah, so that was definitely a highlight. Uh, the next one I wrote down is Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Now, the first one did have comedic moments while telling a decent story, especially when you consider that it's a video game movie, which normally doesn't have a good reputation. But the second one pretty much improved on everything the first one had. It had better comedy. It had a better story. It was just bigger and better. And it wasn't too much. There wasn't so much comedy to the point where it took away from the experience of watching the movie. It was just enough that it was very much enjoyable while still 
highlighting the more serious or climactic moments. Yeah, we probably talked a little bit about that um, when we discussed film sequels some episodes ago about um, strengths of a sequel, what a sequel ought to do. And uh, yeah, if you want to, anytime you can watch that one. Exactly. And uh, reverting back to an earlier part of this episode, Jim Carrey plays the main villain. And honestly, he didn't do that bad. I really think he was the highlight in the first film and he was just as good as this one where yeah he did have his goofy moments but there were other times where he was kind of intimidating actually and that's a really good thing to have in a movie like this at least a part of me thinks jim carrey was meant to play villains to some degree yeah because again he played the riddler he played robotnik in the sonic films uh, I don't know if he's returning for the third one, but we'll see. Uh, I'm trying to think of other villains he's played. Because I don't think Ace Ventura was one. I'm not sure if uh, his character in Bruce Almighty was. No, I don't know if anyone would think Ace and Bruce as evil people. It, I, I wouldn't think so. Maybe crazy, but not evil um yeah I'll, I'll have to do some research later to see what villainous roles he's actually played besides those two um yeah did you uh write down other ones too yeah i wrote down a couple more uh one of them being the first spongebob movie i saw the second one i enjoyed it okay i didn't see the third one yet sponge on the run i think it's called but the first one that was originally supposed to be the end of the SpongeBob series. Uh, we saw it in theaters, and I thought it was a great story. Granted, I was a bit younger at the time, so maybe it was more geared toward me at the time anyway. But it was your typical SpongeBob comedy, at least for the time. But it still had an overarching story. They went on this grand adventure people's lives were pretty much literally on the line and they even had characters technically die in this film which in a spongebob movie you wouldn't think would happen but they still do and overall it is a good mix spongebob being a popular cartoon it probably would have been easy for them to just um structure it like um an unusually long episode of the series i think to some degree, they um, upped the scales for the movie, and um, uh, I don't know. They um, they had um, pretty much the same comedic style yep. deep inside it, and and balanced it with a well, more or less strong story. Absolutely, I'll uh, eventually watch the third one when I get a when I get a chance to do so. Uh, but so far, I've only seen the first two. But uh, the last one I wrote down was the Disney movie Zootopia. Now, you would think at face value, it's a Disney movie with animated animals in it. So you would think it might gear itself mostly towards younger audiences and be funny more often than not. But really, that's not what this film really does. 
like, yeah, it does have those funny moments, sure, which is fine. But it still dives into deep and sometimes dark areas of a story. They even go as far out as to talk about, sometimes in subtle fashion too, some very current issues that we're facing in the world. So even if I wasn't sure if it was a good movie or not, I still think people should see it simply because of the issues it tackles. But it's a good movie on top of that, so I strongly recommend it. It's uh, been described and even praised, I think, as uh, social commentary. In a way, it is. It, it still keeps everybody's attention with comedic story elements or just an overarching plot. But yeah, in a way, it, it kind of is a social commentary, but in a good way. Yeah. Oh. I had um, probably not as many as Jordan had written down, but um, a good chunk, though, four of them. And I mentioned this one in the show's past, Cheaper Bite the Dozen, specifically the early 2000s flick starring Steve Martin. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and when you, when you find out uh, that there's a big family at the center of it, you probably think, I think, ah, there's going to be a lot of crazy high-energy action going on, but yeah. There is, you know, stuff you would probably 100% predict, you know, like you know, kids get kids getting in fights, trash in the house, or something like that. But it also invests a lot of its time in a worthy story about pursuing a dream and balancing work life with family life, so... That's one example. Yeah, I haven't seen the movie in a while, but there still are some elements from that film that I vividly remember. And I would definitely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I've also mentioned this before, Parental Guidance, a lesser-known film starring Billy Crystal. And, uh, and uh, kind of similar to Cheaper by the Dozen, um, another family with... Uh, Kids, not as many kids, only three, and uh, and there's probably just one that really really causes some crazy messes. Um, but it's, you know, but not it stays focused. It stays on focused on on Billy Crystal on trying to pursue a dream and helping his family at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Now. Um... Out of curiosity, what is this film rated? Oh, oh, I believe you've asked me that before, and uh, I have not since looked it up, and I still don't know. Yeah. If I did ask this already, I apologize, but I only ask because I not figured cool. if, uh, like, PG stands for Parental Guidance Suggested, so it's like, oh, Parental Guidance Suggested for Parental Guidance. So then I said, this is one probably most everyone here knows, A Christmas Story. Did you ever see that one? That's with Ralphie, right? Right. Yeah, uh, I haven't... I know I've seen at least some of it. I don't know if I ever actually saw it all the way through. I know a couple scenes, like he was listening to a radio and he was decoding something and then it turned out to be a message he didn't 
really like. Yeah. Uh, but the scene I most vividly remember is when he and his family were outside in their car. Uh, he was helping his dad fix something. He dropped the pieces and he says a word which then cuts to him having soap in his mouth or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, structurally, it it may seem on the surface like a very episodic movie, like something that doesn't really have have much of a story that goes throughout, but and it probably feels more like a sort of day-in-the-life sort of flick, but there is... Uh, you know, a lot of stuff that happens that you could probably relate to, you know, explore, exploring new things or or being disappointed in what the consumer culture presents you with. And uh, I don't I don't know what to say about it, except maybe that. OK, I can definitely get behind that. But in general, I would probably just have people check it out for themselves and see what they think. Yeah, it's worth a look, I think. I would definitely say so, especially with how popular it is, how much of a cult following it's got. So yeah, I, I would at least give it a watch. Yeah, and then finally, Toy Story was the last one I wrote down for that. Okay. Um, yeah, there, it's such a well-known film, I don't think I have to describe really any of the content that's in it but i guess i'll say that you know there are some uh, there are some pretty well, laughable moments for some people anyway and uh i think enough has been seen from this film so uh, i don't think i need to say more well no you don't really have to because like you said it is a big one that most people know I will just add in that, in my personal thought, I would have never expected that I would feel excited and even sorry for a bunch of toys, but they managed to pull it off. Like, Buzz is pretty much having an existential crisis at one point. It's like, he's just a toy, but they make it seem so real. He's having an identity crisis. Yeah. 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 All right. And now um, we'll go on to our game time. I have a quiz. Uh, Jordan, you have one today, too? I do. All right. What you got? First question. There was a recent film starring Ryan Reynolds that featured a bunch of popular Internet stars, including Sean McLaughlin, otherwise known as Jack Septicai. What was the name of that movie? Oh. I might have heard of it, but maybe I'm just blanking on the name of it. Do you want me to give you a minute, or do you want me to just tell you? Mm, you can tell me. It is a movie called Free Guy, where Ryan Reynolds pretty much interacts with the real world in a very much video game style. And Jack Septicai is a popular YouTuber, mostly known for being a gamer, although he does some other stuff too. 
And they actually featured him for a short time in this movie. Okay. Yep. All right, question two. This comedic movie involves Will Ferrell playing an alien that starts out evil, but ends up fighting for the side of good by the end of the story. Megamind? It is Megamind. All right. Yeah, I feel like that movie is a little bit underrated, but that's just me. Uh, question three. This comedic movie might be the only time that you will ever see Sonic and the Disney princesses in the same movie. Ralph Breaks the Internet? That it is. All right. Yeah, I never thought I'd see Sonic in a Disney film, but here we are. I don't know. Were the movies uh, distributed by uh, 20th Century Fox? or? I believe it was Disney. I mean, I can't imagine 20th Century Fox would have a scene in it involving all the pre-existing Disney princesses. Well, uh, now I mean the Sonic movies. Were they uh, Fox? Uh no, uh, they were originally, from what I understand, going to be done by Sony, but eventually the rights to make said movies were sent to Paramount. Hmm. So if you want to see the Sonic movies, they're either going to be in theaters when they come out, or you can find the two that have already been released on Paramount+. Plus. All right. Okay, so, next question. A comedic movie often has a comedic hero with an even funnier sidekick than the hero themselves. Rapunzel in the, has a pet chameleon entangled that certainly fits that bill. Do you know his name? Pascal. Yeah. Not everyone yeah. seems to know that chameleon's name, but some of us do. All right, <clears throat> and then I had just one more. The movie How to Train Your Dragon, or at least the franchise, I guess, does have very serious moments, but still shines in the comedy department. Toothless is a highlight here, especially since he can be both vicious and incredibly adorable. Because of this, as well as due to the striking resemblance to them, Toothless often gets compared to a popular Disney character who is also vicious and adorable. Which Disney character is he often compared to? Hmm. I don't know. Believe it or not, it's Stitch. Okay. Some people have pointed out the similar, not exactly the same, obviously, but similar designs that they have particularly when it comes to their head and then they both have moments where they're incredibly ferocious towards people but then they also have their really adorable moments and because of this people often compare the two or uh, create fan art with them interacting with each other all right so that's all i have 
All right. So I came up with a few questions with a Willy Wonka theme in light of the upcoming Artists Unlimited production we have, which is Willy Wonka. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so I'm going to start with this one. The 1971 Willy Wonka movie was shot in what country famous for Volkswagen and Bratwurst? I believe that would have been Germany. Yep. It was Germany. Okay. Because I actually was talking about this earlier today with people because they're also going to be in the production. And one of them said that a lot of it, if not all of it, was filmed in Germany. And there's even a character in the movie, Augustus, who has a German name. Yeah. Specifically, they shot the movie in Munich. And what part of Germany is that in? Is that like the northern... Uh, I really don't know. Okay, just figured I'd ask. All right. All right. Name one of the food items mimicked by the Wonka gum violet chewed. One of the foods mimicked? Yeah. I mean, she turns into what they call a blueberry, but I don't know if that's necessarily it. And I know while she's chewing, she is listing off the different flavors that she can taste. Uh, the first thing that came to my mind was blueberry muffin, but I don't think that was one of them. No. Nope. Um, man, it's been a while. I can picture the scene, too. I just can't remember the exact word she used. Well, you were close. Blueberry pie was one of them. That was going to be my next guess. Because I, yeah. I figured it was something blueberry related, but I was trying to think what other blueberry things are there. And then around the time I thought of blueberry pie, you said it. So, yay. All right. And then the other ones were tomato soup, roast beef, and baked potato. That's actually kind of a wide array. I always thought it was just all blueberry stuff, but I guess not. Oh. Oh. No, it was made to be like a full, like, three, four course meal. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I totally forgot about that detail. Yeah. Okay. In the 2005 film... What was the occupation of Wonka's dad? Of his dad? Oh, oh, okay. So I saw clips of this movie. I never saw the whole thing. But if I remember right, I want to say his dad was a dentist? Yes. He was a dentist. Okay, because I, I thought I remember him saying that. Yeah, and that was a whole storyline that they wrote just for that movie. Okay, because I didn't think it was in the original with Gene Wilder, so I had to think. It wasn't in the book either. It wasn't in the book. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This next one's going to be multiple choice. Okay. Which of these is an actual Wonka concoction mentioned in the book? A, square candies that look round. B, sour candies that taste sweet. Or C, hard candies that feel soft. 
Well, the most realistic sounding one out of all of those is the hard candy that's soft. But that just seems too easy. Too easy. Um, yeah, trick question. Yeah, the, I'll go with the square candies that are round. That's the one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I figured that one answer would would be realistic, but yeah, like I said, too easy. Yeah. All right. Um, the now defunct Wonka chocolate bar from Nestle was what food item covered in chocolate? What food item? It wasn't just milk chocolate? No. Uh, well, the most common thing I see added to chocolate is something like almonds. But I don't think that's it. Um, no. What would it be? Uh, maybe caramel? Graham cracker. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. I could actually see All that right. being really good. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. Stick some marshmallow in there, and you pretty much have a s'more bar. There you go. All right. Let's see if you can name three fruit-flavored candy items made by the now-defunct real-life Wonka Candy Company. Three actual products. Yeah. Let's see. Um... Were any of them featured in the movie? At least one. Okay, because the first one that came to my mind was the Everlasting Gobstopper. Yep. Okay, so that's one. And that's apparently the only one in the movie. Uh, trying to think of other Wonka products, because I remember... Being younger, I feel like I'd seen them around at some point. But I can't remember for the life of me which ones they were. Yeah. All right. Should I just list off the rest of them? Yeah. All right. Nerds, Fun Dip, Sweet Tarts, Spree, Bottle Caps, Laffy Taffy, Runts, Tartan Tinies, Pixie Sticks, and Randoms. Aren't most of those still around, though? Well, I believe they're still being made. Okay, because when you said it was defunct, it, I got thrown off. I'd say, well, I think maybe, um, maybe some company, some other company swooped in and took over them or something. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. All right, I got one, just one left. Okay. What song, what song from the 1971 film did Jackie Ivanko cover on her album Songs from the Silver Screen? Jackie Ivanko. When did this album come out, out of curiosity? It was, I'll look that up real quick. Okay. It was, let's see. 
Um, this was released October 2nd, 2012. Okay. Yeah. So, so she was 12 years old at the time. So which song would she, at that age, be most likely to sing? My first guess would have been Veruca Salt's I Want It Now. Nope. Not that one. Okay. Uh, does Violet Beauregard get a song? No. No, she doesn't. I'd say I don't remember one. So the only other one that I can... Actually, no, there's two. I could see her doing either uh, I've Got a Golden Ticket or Pure Imagination. It was Pure Imagination. Okay, I felt like that was the more likely of the two. And uh, I know Josh Groban also did that one for one of his albums for a bunch of stage musical songs. So, yeah, I felt like that would have made the most sense. Yeah. So now all we've got left is news that bites and news that rocks. Yep. Let's go ahead and hear uh, Jordan's thing that bites today. Well, for news that bites, I am bringing up a situation near where we are that happened in the past few days where a couple of officers in the city of Rochester were shot by somebody, and apparently they were in their early 20s. Uh, and unfortunately, one of them did not survive. Apparently, he was hiding in some bushes or something. He ambushed them, shot at least one of them a multitude of times. They were both rushed to different hospitals, I believe. But yeah, one of them that had been on the force for a little over 20 years, I believe, uh, did not make it, unfortunately. Power and honor to those cops for their courage and uh, they're, uh, they're willing to do whatever it took to protect us. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. My thing that bites is um, um, sort of a little entertainment news piece. Uh, um, Tom Bergeron, the Emmy-winning former host of America's Funniest Home Videos and Dancing with the Stars, recently announced that he is COVID positive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he's yeah. not a young guy, so I feel like he would be more affected by it. I don't know. He seems like a pretty healthy guy. He pretty much, you know, is a guy with a lot of energy, but um, this is an announcement he made just uh, a little over a week ago. And, well, I don't know if he's um, gotten through it, gotten over it yet, maybe, but uh, it's, uh, it, it bites. And that does answer my question of whether or not he's been updating people on his condition. I don't know, maybe, but maybe just not that I've read. Well, I hope he has a healthy and speedy recovery then, if he hasn't already. Why don't we flip it now, and what about news that rocks? For news that rocks, um, 
I kind of have two only because I'm excited about both. Um, okay. One being they have officially announced in the past couple of days that the third Sonic movie is now in production. So I am very much excited to see where they go with that. But the main one I wanted to bring up is that a little while ago, I did have to leave a job that I was pretty good at and I enjoyed for the most part. But I recently was able to acquire a new one. And I can't wait to get started on it. All right. Good for you. Thank you. All right, and my thing that rocks is uh, also a personal one for me. We have um, been able to move forward with the with the car loan process on my current car. Uh, I mentioned before I've had it on a lease, and uh, it was about up. And we arranged recently for a loan so I could own it. And my dad and I recently made a trip. I think it was during the Fourth of July weekend to the DMV at the local mall and we talked to somebody there there to help us uh, make us in writing the official owner and and make our bank a part owner old or whatever so so things are now moving forward they've been kind of delayed for a while but uh, now things Things are starting to progress as my dad would like it to. Okay, good. I'm very happy for you guys. Thank you. Yeah. What's uh, the next step at this point? In, I'm not really sure. I think um, I think maybe maybe my dad has to talk to the bank a little bit and uh, um, crunch some numbers or something. But uh, at least we've got things going forward anyway. That's always a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's it for us, I guess. And um, um, I think we'll probably just do one last episode before we go off season. And anytime, though, you can stream us on Google Podcasts, Facebook, YouTube, Anchor, and Spotify and interact with us. Um, We would like to hear from you guys. We would appreciate it. Absolutely. If you have any subjects that you want us to talk about on the show, if you have a question about a previous episode, let us know on that. Uh, If you would like to see one of our friends appear, or at least be mentioned in some fashion, uh, pretty much any suggestions you have for future episodes or references to previous episodes, let us know on anywhere we can be found to communicate with, and we'd love to hear from you. Keep the conversation going. Thanks, everybody, and uh, we'll see you soon. Take care.